Is it true? Can I believe that? Let's find out together with Buzzwords Week on Carl and Crew Mornings. We are in the month of March, which is wild to me. March is share month for us. We're coming up on our uh, share campaign here in a couple of weeks. We're a listener-supported station, so we do this a couple times a year. We want to recruit you to be a part of our prayer crew. If you're willing to set aside 30 minutes, you don't have to come anywhere. You can do this at home, on a walk, on your drive in. If you're willing to really pray, if you believe that God wants to do something uh, unique and special, not because of our show or any particular personality on Moody Radio, but if you believe the gospel going forth and helping people take their next step in their walk with Jesus. I want to invite you in to pray. Text the word crew if you want to be a part of this crew. C-R-E-W to 312-274-9624. Text the word crew to 312-274-9624. Yeah, good stuff. Um, you know, what is what is homosexuality to a pastor? What is that? Let me tell you what it is to me, because a lot of us get into this crazy hierarchical stuff, and I'm, I'm going to be very clear with you. I think it's missing the mark like any other dominant sin that takes us over. I think anyone given over to it is missing the mark, meaning they're missing and falling short of God's glory and his best for our life. Hmm. But I would say this to anyone that struggles with heterosexual, um, caving into heterosexual temptation. I don't care if it's uh, parlors. I don't care if it's pornography, whatever it is. I would say, man, you are ripping yourself off sure. and coming up short of the mark. Yeah. So I think we need to be careful there because the rancor over same-sex marriage and everything really got us into, it, it became almost the focal point. This mm-hmm. is the issue here. But if we look in Romans 1 and, and uh, what we find when, when there is a lack of submission to the authority of God, yeah, you find yourself given over to lots of different sins, not least of which is homosexuality, but it's listed among other things that are there. And that's why we got to be careful. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when the Apostle Paul saying such were some of you and, and is listed there homosexuality, there are plenty of other things listed there. So we need to be very careful with that. So here's the story. I'm standing there. This is in Alaska. It's about 15, 16 years ago. And uh, there's two girls walking down an aisle coming at me. <clears throat> and I'm not clairvoyant or a prophet. I could see by their look what the question probably was going to be coming my way. I'm not stupid, Okay. <laughs> And they're about 15 feet from me. And I'm like, God, you better have a good answer. (laughs) And they came up and they were very kind and gracious. And they were super engaging. And I said, how can I help you young ladies today? They said, well, Pastor Carl, we just want to let you know we've been coming to church here. And by the way, it's a big auditorium. I didn't see everyone. So you could seat. I think we seated 2,100 in there. And if we could get 16, 17, it it looks... Here's group dynamics, guys. You get 16, 1700 in a room that sees 2000. It doesn't look like there's a seat empty. Sure. It's just the way it works. Yeah. So it's like jammed like sardines in there every. Oh, sardines. Maybe that's why I like sardines. <laughs> um, jammed like sardines in there. So I didn't know them. I hadn't seen them before, but they walk up and they said, listen, we've got a question for you. We've been coming here for a few months. We love it. We love what you're teaching, but you haven't gotten into our lesbian relationship yet. And then they start chuckling. They said, you haven't preached on homosexuality. I said, well, I haven't compounded in the word yet. Not afraid of doing that. They said, we didn't think you would be afraid. What did you mean, what did you, mean you hadn't come upon it in the word yet? Like uh, you, I was just, preaching through a book and I oh, hadn't gotten to 1 Corinthians 6. Got it. Yeah. So um, <laughs> they said, we got a question for you. We are practicing lesbians, and we are wondering if it's okay if we keep coming to church here. Now, it's quiet out there because some of you are wondering, what in the world did Pastor Carl say? (laughs) I said then what I would say today. Let me be very, very clear here. My definition of the church, including discipleship, elder authority, um, issues of church discipline, um, issues of promotion and identify, identification of gifts, 
<clears throat> does not begin at the weekend service. It begins after that is over. In the small groups, in the whoop and wharf of training, in the whoop and wharf of counseling, I see the weekend service as a synagogue public square where whosoever will may come. And I don't care, and I had this happen in Alaska. I had a, I had a pimp who showed up, and I didn't throw him out. Why? Because I want him to hear the gospel and come to Jesus. And you ready for this one? His name's Terry Stallman, and he did. Hmm. Amen. Right on? Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we had an open-door policy. Back to the girls that are standing there talking to me. I said, listen, here's my take, young ladies. And I began to choke up. And the Lord had me do that. Because one put, reached out, put her hand on my shoulder, <laughs> which is hilarious. I was just loving it. I'm like, all right, giving the preacher some comfort while I share my heart that's going to hurt you. And I said, listen, here's what I really believe. I believe that you, like me and many others here, when we get ourselves derailed and miss the mark, having consistency of sin in, in a certain area, we may be deriving some joy from it and some, in this case, love is love, love from it but I believe you're selling short what God wants to do in your life. And I want you to keep coming, but I want you to know that as a pastor in my heart for you is that you will find that what you are determining to be joy and what you are determining to be love would grow strangely dim in the light of God's grace and power when he reorients your life toward a greater love. Hmm. And you know what they did? They said, thanks for being honest <laughs> about what you... They didn't get angry and storm away? No, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, we left on great terms. That's awesome. It was awesome. Right. I prayed for them. Um, and I do not know what happened to those young ladies, but I do know that I've had the privilege of seeing men liberated from what they thought was their strongest love in their life. Free, totally free. We've had people call in here before. But the question mm -hmm. is, what do you do when you encounter people who say love is love? And here's the conclusion I've come up with. And by the way, there was a guest on Janet Parshall last night, and he nailed it. And he can speak with more authority because he was saved out of a homosexual lifestyle. He said, let these people come into churches on weekends. We should have kleptomaniacs. And, he, you know, you, I guess I was, wasn't listening. I'm taking it for my bride. That synagogue public square kind of scenario on the weekend service, do you know how many sinners are in there on a weekend? First off, if Allie's there, there's one. But, I mean. <laughs> wow. No, no, you know what I mean, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. But statistically, all of them. Oh, I mean, we've all, like sheep, have gone astray. Now, are some, are some experiencing the new birth miracle, therefore they are changed and have the power of God? Yeah. But are there plenty there that have an illusion of salvation, and they're shacked up with a girlfriend, mm -hmm. and they're shacked up with a boyfriend, and some are kleptomaniacs? That's why purses go missing sometimes on weekends. Yeah. No, I'm being, come on. Yeah, it happens. True. It happens. I mean, come on. What are we going to do? Are we going to start screening for sin at the door? If you are... <laughs> Preach you can't preach some weekends. Empty pews. <laughs> so, look, I'm being hyperbolic here. Dramatic. I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm being very clear. But I'm being dramatic for a purpose. We've got to quit categorizing the love is love crowd into their own little sector of they're maybe missing the mark. We've got to hold the standard high of truth. I believe that the destruction of the nuclear family is the destruction of our society. I believe that when we... When we've stealed away the procreation element of love, you've stolen away the heart of God in love. I really do. And so will I hold on to those standards? Yeah, I'll go to prison for them. But until I go to prison for them, we got to love people. Because sometimes love is love. <laughs> well, and I think the challenge, and we can talk about this coming up, is that where maybe before there was a more clear line of separation in terms of I believe this and therefore, you know, I'm free to believe what I believe and you can believe what you believe. Now the push is no, 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 no. Don't just say you're willing to allow us to come to your services. Why can't 
who I why should who I love determine whether or not I can pastor or serve or lead? Can we address that coming up? Oh yeah, because it's it's gotten way tougher. Yeah, and it's going to get worse now. I think the answer. Well, let's talk about the answer in a minute and a half. What is love? You know, this is an interesting discussion because love is love is everywhere in our culture today. And, you know, I got to tell you, you got to remember this, guys. All we like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. We are born with our backs to God. So we shouldn't be amazed that people are maybe by the choices they make, putting a fork in the nuclear family as we know it. They don't have a shared document called the scriptures that give any kind of true north guidance and and uh, kind of bedrock truth to, to build your life on. Yeah. They don't believe it. So the question is, how do we respond? And you asked it, Allie, so I'm going to pitch it back to you. How do we respond, Allie? In terms of? I'm going to pitch you a scenario. Okay. You're a lead pastor of a church in Chicago, and somebody has come to you, and they've said, you don't uh, believe that um, a a man can marry a man and th- that that is on par with the love of the common nuclear family that you espouse. And you won't let that happen. Um, if you don't let that happen, uh, we're going to protest against you. Uh, we're going to be picketing out on the sidewalk. By the way, I think this is coming someday soon. Um what do you say about this? Where do you cave? Where's your cave point here, Pastor? You know, I think you have to take people back to the to the Word of God. Okay. And very clearly show why you believe what you believe. Because every church should have a set of doctrine and that's all based on the Bible yeah. that really establishes what they believe and why. So showing the why and then it's it's not a mat then it's not a matter of my preference or your preference or your opinion or mine. If we believe and build our church and our lives on the word of God, then that is has to be consistent throughout. And for anyone who comes in, they can either reject it or accept it and they're free to do either, but you can't merge the two. You can't say, I reject what you stand on, but I also want to lead. Boom. And here's the point. In Ephesians chapter 4, the way the body grows up is by speaking the truth in love. This is what I believe. If you are a person that is cherry-picking sexuality as the issue that you're going to speak the truth about and not the whole counsel of God, you are wholly inconsistent. But if we're willing to be consistent with the totality of the word of God, and as it applies to every person, you got more of a leg to stand on. It's really the the truth of the matter is the word of God is kind of an equal opportunity offender. Totally it is. By that, I mean, you're all of us should be offended in certain ways because it's going to prick things about us that are our na- inclination, our inclination towards uh, selfishness towards what are some other inclinations that the Bible's Guys, going to speak it, to it, that it, might offend us? It's it's everything under the sun. Addictions, gluttony, sexuality, um, gossiping. I mean, it's an equal opportunity convictor. Yep. And so is it going to be offensive in the sense that it's going to call evil something that I'd like to call good because it feels good to me? Yeah, it's going to do that for you and it's going to do that for me too. Yeah. Coming up here in a moment, we're going to take you to this cool little passage of Scripture because it doesn't say speaking the truth about what a nuclear family is and why that's so important and we will grow up into Jesus. It's speaking the whole truth in love. You know, there is a statement that is often said, and I, I see you here, 4304, I, and I know what you, I, I feel for what you're feeling. I genuinely do. But the truth is God is love, and it's that love that compelled him to put um, great standards on us. Think about this. Think about a parent that supposedly loved their kids, but there were no parameters around their life. Mm -hmm. Is that love? No. I mean, it's not love at all. No, and we would look at that, and we would look at that situation and say, that parent is not loving their child the way they think they are. Every time. 
every time. Yeah. So the weird thing about, I think, one of the evidences that we have a God and that we are children and that we've gone astray is that if you look at just general society, unmoored with any kind of moral compass, it's just crazy, right? Yeah. So, you know, the, the fact is God is love. That's right. And God loves us so much that he sent his son to not only save us, but then to alter our way of living. And the funny thing about the word of God is that it is equally, as Ali was just saying, offensive to everyone. There is no one that is that will be unoffended or unconvicted if they take an honest look at the word of God. No one alive. No one. Why? Because we were all born in sin. All of us. And so <laughs> sin is addressed quite a bit in the Bible, and it's not just homosexuality. So here's the bottom line. If the goal of life is to not offend or hurt, in my understanding as a pastor, ain't no one going to grow. Okay? No one's going to grow. I, I won't grow. Fair. I know Young Thunder ain't going to grow. Yeah, you're right. Because why? Speaking the truth in love, we will all grow up into the fullness of Christ. And here's the problem. Truth hurts. It does. I don't care who you are. This is this is a hard one because I I there's I know that there's so much there's so much conversation around this that's so filled with rancor now yeah. and there's it usually gets really heated and really contentious but I think it's less so now because it's now been legalized from a Well, any sense of opposition standpoint. to what's considered now mainstream a mainstream belief. Yeah, now you're really looked at as passé right. and old. Right. Yeah. So any it, raising any hint of any sort of objection is going to be met with with a, resistance is putting my, putting it mildly. So yeah. how do we engage in these conversations in a way where we're not as we say it often we're not sounding like angry evangelicals, we're not sounding like we're, you know, beating people over the head with something. Yeah, and what's interesting about that, Ali, and then we're going to get to York more in just a moment here because we asked him to come on in here this morning. We're going to get to him. Uh, here's the bummer with this topic. I think having any kind of a hot take, uh, no matter how grounded it is in Scripture, no matter how grounded it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I think it will be perceived as bashing. And there's no, kind. and there's probably no way around it. Around that, yeah. And that's the bummer. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the bummer. So, and you, and you might be saying, "Are you willing to pay that price, Carl?" I am because if I capitulate at that front, I capitulate at every front. And then I've got to let you know, yeah, you know. Then I've got to give myself a pass, and I know where that got me in the in the past. It doesn't work. Coming up here in a more moment, York Moore. This is a this is a tough topic. Um, I think at the end of the day, we got to love people right where they exactly. are. Because it's too you have issues and you have things that you look at, but then you have people, and so you you don't lead with issues when you're dealing with people. No, you lead with love. Love. We love people right where they're at. If we didn't, how in the world would we bring people out of the shadows and into the light? How? I mean, if you're going to be selective about who you're loving in the shadows, then, well, that makes you a Pharisee right there. So it's a tough one, but it's a good one. Coming up here, York Moore. He's got this cool TikTok ministry. He's got a unique perspective dealing with young people in this media platform. What does he say about love is love? Hang on with the team after the show. Just follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Curl and Crew Mornings. So, Allie, love is love. Love is love. Yes. Lo love is love. Mm -hmm. We hear that all the time now. I mean, it's everywhere, and it's hard because you go, okay, and a lot of people are wondering, what do I do with that? Well, resident expert <laughs> on what do you do with that, York Moore is with us here. How you doing today, my man? Doing great. Great to be back. It's good to have you with us. Okay. Love is love. You know, I got to tell you, that's a tough one at face value because love is defined so narrowly in this culture, or maybe it's wide open. What do you say, York? Well, it's a tautology, which is a fancy philosophy word, meaning that it's the affirmation of the antecedent. 
And so when we say love is love, it's, uh, you can't contradict that. But what we, when we dig into what that actually means, what people usually mean is that there are no limits, there are no boundaries, there are no defining characteristics that we need to actually accept, embrace, and celebrate an expression of what they call love that actually is sinful. And that's the insidious nature of this, is that who would, who would argue against love? It's like arguing against puppies and lollipops. And, and apple Disneyland, pie, you know? yeah. Exactly. Throw it all in there, right? But when you actually dig down into what people mean by that, usually they mean a very broken and twisted expression of usually sexualization of the human self, and that we're supposed to not just accept that, we're supposed to embrace it and celebrate. And then if you don't, it's an expression of injustice. It's actually not just a microaggression, it's violence. And that's where we're moving in this culture, that unless we embrace this broken, twisted version of a sexualized love in any and all expressions, we're actually doing harm to other individuals. That's the real problem behind this buzzword. So how do you push back against this? Because that you're active on TikTok, so you must come across this type of conversation a lot. When you talk about God is love, then it's very easy for people to take that jump and go, yeah, God is love. Everything about God is love. So any, any form of love must be good with him because that's what he's about. Well, how do you push back? TikTok is a little bit different because it's a it's really kind of a, a consumption platform, an outreach platform. It's an entertainment platform. So you need to think about TikTok like you do Netflix. It's not about building a community. The reality is TikTok as a platform has a massive global reach, but it's not set up like YouTube or Facebook, where you have these long dialogical exchanges with people. Unless you go live, which I do frequently, I go live, and then that's an opportunity to get deep into subjects. So what I'm mostly doing is telling a better story, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And for this generation, they need to hear a better story. So when I talk about the love of God, all of a sudden now I'm filling in these ambiguous, you know, places where we've just kind of thrown out love is love and we haven't defined it. We've said it, it includes, you know, anything and everything. Now all of a sudden you start talking about the love of God and how does God show his love to us? through his son, Jesus Christ. His death on the cross is the demonstration of what real love looks like. When people see that expression and those boundaries, that definition, it's a better story. Mm. It's compelling. It's intriguing. I've had over 250,000 people pray to receive Jesus on my TikTok channel over the last year and a half. And I think it's because we're telling a better story. We're not winning arguments with true claims. There's a place for that. Yeah. TikTok isn't that place. Okay, let me give you a scenario to wrap up this little time with you here. This is common. We've got boomer parents or exer parents, I guess more exer now, um, that are have raised kids. Maybe they're in high school, college years, early adult. And what the parents feel who are, let's just give you a scenario, they love God with their whole heart. They've been radically transformed by Jesus. And their kid is taking them on on the nuclear family because now they've got a... Ted loves uh, Jason, and love is love, mom and dad. Come on, these guys love one another. Coach up a boomer or a Gen X, yeah, parent who is, ba- and this is, how common is this right here, so Alan? I mean, this so is common. so common. What do you say, York? Yeah, this is the story of our lives. It's the story of our world. In some ways, this isn't the on-ramp to the conversation. Uh, This is a part of the deeper discipleship journey that we take young people on when it comes to helping them understand human sexuality, relationships as God has designed them. Really, the the first step is to tell the very basic story of the good news of Jesus. So every single one of us have sat down at a Thanksgiving table, a family reunion, and we are inundated with the impact that this has on our family. Yes. You know, human sexuality isn't a topic that we discuss. It's a face across the table. And if we make the conversation about the issues, it comes at the expense of the relationship. And so I, I think, and this would include my own family, we're not winning any arguments, we're not making any friends, yep. and we're not maintaining any relationships when we make this the subject matter of our faith. Mm. And I think it's going to be really hard for boomers, I'm an Xer, for us to actually have that conversation intelligently, because here's where Gen Z lives. Gen Z lives in the native language of this argumentation, and it is a, a, a lose-lose starting Position. point. Yeah. It, exactly. 
So what we need to do is we need to tell a better story. We need to major on the majors, focus on the basics, explain Jesus. And that's really all I'm doing on TikTok. I get on there and I explain what is sin? What is the love of God? What is hell? What's the difference between hell and lake of fire? How do you get to heaven? Just super, super basic stuff. And people are eating it up. Now, if I, and I've tried this, I've tried to put, you know, deeper argumentations about race and human sexuality and those kinds of things. I mean, very low views, very low engagement, because people are inundated with that in every other space. Yes. Let's tell the news that's actually news that can change people's forever. What's interesting to me about you, York, is that you are not afraid at all about having discussions about hell, eternity, the cost of sin. And it seems like maybe boomer parents and exer parents sometimes live in that mushy middle and never hit the both engaging them with the love of Jesus and even talking about the outer fringes of consequence. We lose the battle in that mushy middle, York. You know, generational realities are very interesting. I've been studying the birth cohort data for the generation that we call Gen Z uh, for now for 10 years or so. And now they're here. Now they're on our college campuses and they'll soon be our employees. You know, the boomer generation, the greatest generation, they built everything. They built the denominations. They built the parachurch organizations. And unfortunately, there was a lot of religious trauma with that. Xers experienced that religious trauma, and we said, we don't want to have anything to do with the church. And the growth of the megachurch was a response to correcting those abuses of power, those uh, toxic leadership and those kinds of things. That gave rise to the megachurch, which had its own religious baggage. But here's what Xers did. We gave that religious baggage to our millennial kids, and we said, the church is bad. There's no, there's no answers in religion. You know, make your own truth. And millennials were the great you know, social justice activist generation. And here's the interesting thing about Gen Z. They're coming to us like a blank slate. They don't have religious trauma. They don't even have borrowed religious trauma. And yet they're the most religiously unaffiliated generation in American history. That does not mean that they're hostile to the Christian faith. It doesn't mean they're not open. In fact, I believe that we're seeing a move of God in America like we've never seen before. Yeah, it's interesting to me, York, and we'll just wrap it with this. You might have a comment on it. It seems like the Gen Xers excuse me, Gen Z, almost feels let down by the millennials of sorts. It's kind of like, well, that didn't work either. Is that off base? We have an interesting reality because of the pandemic. We had a very optimistic millennial generation that marched in Ferguson that, you know, accomplished things, put people in political office. And much of that utopian vision collapsed when they found themselves living in their mother's basement for two years. And Gen Z was along for the ride. They were on their mobile devices. There's no, there's no surprise that the, the reach of TikTok exploded during the pandemic. What else was there to do? You know, sit on another Zoom. And so you have an opportunity now with a generation that necessarily doesn't necessarily have the same optimistic ideals that their older siblings would have. I have a, a, a millennial son and a Gen Z daughter. And the difference is like night and day. My Gen Z daughter is the most optimistic, hopeful person, and she's open to everything and anything. And I think that probably describes the heart of this generation, which is also why we're also seeing a great move of God like we've never seen before. Yeah, it's happening. York, we love you, man. You are a provocative thinker, and I mean that in a good way. Thank you. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate it. You want to get connected with them? Go text the word right now, York, to 312-274-9624. Just the word York to 312-274-9624. Coming to you from the Morningstar Mission sponsored studio, this is Carl and Crew Mornings. You know what? What? This could be a theme song for us riding across the prairie at a pretty good lope. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Right. Good morning to you, too. I wish that you, yes, you listening, could see. You, little Joe and Haas. The wild. across the bananza plant. The Who wild Joe and Haas? horseback riding imitation Carl was doing, complete with hand motions. You need the camera. I mean, it's wow. so extra. It's very. But, can, can we just but that music does kind of have oh, like a. Hold, hold, hold it. Dun, 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 can you play dun, that again? Yeah. I want to hear that music again. It really does sound kind of like horseback riding music. No, it music. is. I I thought of it. But it's stuck in my brain now. Let's see it. (laughs) 
can see is a horse. Go, Coral, go! Is that a lasso? The sheriff's coming after you By again, Coral, go! Oh, that brings up a great oh story, a great reminder. Oh, no. So I had never, ever done any lassoing. In my life. Is that something that's commonly done in Alaska? Yeah, there's some lassoing going on. Okay. There's, some, there's some cattle that are being ranched up there, but huh. not a lot. So I'm at this camp in Southern California's humongous camp. I forget, Was it Hume Lake? Hold it. I don't anyway, know. I don't know. I, I was it, a, was. it was. It was. Yeah, Lake. yeah, go with it. <laughs> no, I don't know if it was him, Lake, or not. But it was, uh, I was, so I was sixth grader in Arizona. And we went to this camp. And then you get broken into these humongous teams, like big teams. Like uh-huh. there's, I don't know, There, it felt like there were like four or 500 kids at this camp. And we got broken into these four teams. I forget what the name of our team was, but. You had to have representatives go out in the whole game. The whole theme of the whole week is the whole game is to get the most amount of points. And the team that wins gets all this big ice cream feed and all this stuff. And they and I did the field events because I was fast and I did really well. But then they had no one wanted to do this calf roping contest. And I'm like, I'm so competitive. I'm like, come on, guys. And I, I got, we got like 100 kids. I'm like, come on, who's going to do it? And some girls shouted out, you do it, Carl. Oh, boy. And I'm like, oh, no. So the girls put the pressure on you, right? Yeah, at that Absolutely. age, for sure. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. And now I'm scared to death. I'm like, I got to go out there and do calf roping. I'm scared to death of these calves. <laughs> and, and they're running around in this humongous pen. And, but we're not on a horse. We're on foot. Oh, boy. Oh. So they I love that. But I go last, and I'm watching these guys, and I'm like, oh. The other guy's good at it? No. Oh. So I'm okay. like, huh. I know what I got to do. Because they, do. they were standing back. They were standing back from these things, throwing it from like 20 feet, and I'm like, shine that. So I use my track and field skills. <laughs> Caught up with it first. I caught up with that sucker. I'm running stride for stride. I didn't lasso him. I just looped you it just... over his head. Oh. Pulled that thing down, and you had to pull the calf down on its side. Yeah. Wham. You could have had get... a career. Oh, well, I don't know about that. It didn't look that good. Did you win? One. Oh, boy. One. Very and that, nice. Those points were the biggest points because it was a ranch camp. That was the biggest point <laughs> total. Of course you went to a ranch camp because every kid does. <laughs> nah. Oh, oh, it was goodness, man. it was great though. So I won that crazy thing. So anyway, give us that oh. opener again. That's taking me back. Picture Carl running stride for stride with the calf. Woo! Yeah, and that thing was fast. <laughs> no, no joking. And the guy, oh, one, of the, four legs. One, of, one of the camp counselors, came alongside me and goes, "That was really smart of you to do that." I said, "I'm sitting here watching these guys oh, going. They're standing back from them." trying to lasso this yeah. thing and I'm like shine that Let's I'm gonna run right up alongside easier. it this poor calf was scared to death when he saw me <laughs> I you can see that big old eyeball like why are you so why is this guy running stride for stride What's going with on? Here? oh boy <laughs> so I didn't even lasso it oh. I just looped it over his head and pulled the noose tight oh, and then you won alright okay that's how we're starting this morning huh? yeah okay then sorry about that <laughs> That music is going to ruin yeah, me Yeah, I know. Now. No, it's now. forever stuck in my <laughs> brain. Three more hours. <laughs> What's really funny is I'm sitting here riding the horse. You are, man. And swatting it. Oh, boy. And Allie looks <sighs> over and she just guffawed, <sighs> man. Just, just what are you doing? fell out of her chair. Oh, boy. It was awesome. <laughs> it's a good morning already. But you right. did enough to win. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, okay. that was really good. Have you used those skills again anytime soon? By the way, you, I used to have, I won the golden horseshoe. For that thing. Not the golden horseshoe. Yeah, and what, what it was is a horseshoe spray painted with some cheesy cry on gold. <laughs> golden horseshoe! Oh, <laughs> you did it! It's hanging in the office at home. Oh, no, man. That thing's so long gone. <laughs> hanging in the office. Come on! <laughs> yeah, this year's from when I won the golden horseshoe. There's the voice. It's How long ago was that, Carl? Oh, that was back when I was It's the 11. retro voice. I was in sixth grade. 
I didn't even have any cowboy boots. People at this ranch camp had cowboy boots. It probably helped I that had, you didn't have on cowboy boots. That's Ni- what I'm thinking. I had Nike Cortez. That's it. Wow. That's it. <laughs> oh, okay. my word. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. I got to tell you something, Boom Crew. Uh, when I was traveling down to Asbury to the revival here a couple of weeks ago, I was blown away because as I was driving down, I was listening to another radio show, not Christian radio show, but another radio show. And I thought, man, Boom Crew blows these guys away. Listen to these callers. <laughs> these callers oh, wow. are chopped liver. We got good listeners. Oh, no, I really <laughs> did. I was with the Jake Christopher. I said, listen to these guys. These guys got nothing. That's right. They're bringing nothing to the table. Oh, Why is this guy bringing this caller in? No, in all That's seriousness, funny. I was bragging in my heart about you guys to the Lord because it's just so awesome. And, and God's God's using you in a big way. Your testimonies, uh, the life change that you're experiencing, the way, you, uh, the way you're willing to stand up for truth, as we're talking about today in a culture that's kind of caving into it left and right. And the way you're willing to be honest about how the price that we might need to pay down the road for standing up for truth is kind of disconcerting. Well, guess what? It is just as well. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, but, absolutely. But nonetheless, you're the boom crew. You always will be. And we love you big time, guys. We really do. We're grateful for you. And coming up here in a week and a half, uh, it kicks off share. Now, listen, here's the bottom line. We're listeners supported. We can't do this without you. I'm not asking you to give right now, by the way. I want you to hear my heart. And every twice a year, it comes around this time, and it's like, oh, Nelly. And I'm about to see on our dashboard here a big old cat daddy number. I don't know how big it's going to be this year, but it ain't small. And it's like, how are we going to get this done? You know what happens? Every pick in time, boom, crew, God shows up, usually in the 11th hour. So there's not any room for us to get a little bit cocky around here. Usually in the 11th hour, God shows up through you, but he shows up. Now, there's... There's a couple of flywheels that get this thing cooking. One is prayer, and the other one is pump primers. And I'm going to let Allie pour out her heart about both of those right now. Yeah, I'll start with uh, prayer. We need, many of you have done this with us in the past, and it's been so encouraging. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are effective. So if you're willing to join our prayer crew, we're just asking you to grab a 30-minute slot. We've uh, broken up the times to have up to 10 of you praying every half hour for the duration of share for the hours that we're on air. I don't even know how many slots that amounts to. Superdye, do you know? It's somewhere in the, like... 600. 600. 600. Yes. So lots of room. And so that I means got the number. That, we got 600 slots? 600 slots. Hallelujah. So at Bring any given time, we have up to 10 of you yes. scattered across Chicagoland, maybe in other parts of the country, because we know we have listeners from really all over the world are praying specifically for the gospel, for the work of the Lord that he's doing here through Moody Radio. You've been blessed. You've been encouraged and taken a next step. And so your prayers are that direction for somebody else. So if you want to be a part of this powerhouse team of prayers, our prayer crew, just text the word crew to 312-274-9624. Yeah, please do that. As a matter of fact, right now, if you would, if you would pull to the side of the road, you hear me say this when people are giving their lives to Jesus, but if you would pull to the side of the road and be part of the prayer crew, we'd really appreciate this. 600 is a lot of slots to fill. And uh, we, we, I implore you to be a part of this. Text the word crew to 312-274-9624. Just come get a half an hour. If this is your show, I'm asking you to take hold of it in prayer. Text the word crew to 312 312- Two seven four nine six two four. Well, I gave Allie a twofold job. Second part coming up. Get more from your morning show. Check us out on social media. Just search Carlin Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we're talking about the buzzword today: love is love, and it's so difficult because here's the deal. And uh, Allie brought it up, and it's a great point. We've taken what has for centuries been believed to be a behavior, even referred to in 1 Corinthians 6 as a behavior, even referred to in Romans 1 as a behavior, and we've made an identity around it. What does this do? It all of a sudden raises the stakes, and it becomes way more personal, right? Yeah. It it becomes so exceedingly personal. And the problem is, is that when missing the mark becomes personal, 
it's a huge affront to someone. Have you ever have you ever seen someone that struggles with something that uh, a sin that's become so much a part of them that they can't imagine how they can get out of it? Yes. And then yeah. they're confronted with it and it's like they flare up because mm-hmm. man, this is part of me. How am I going to get yeah. well, that was me at one point. Hmm. That was me. Wow. See, when I was confronted by my wife that she didn't feel loved as a wife, everything about me is the way I treated her, I thought could not be changed. And I thought for me to love my wife as Christ loved the church was going to be a near impossibility. Now, by God's grace, he taught me how to do it. But see, when I was confronted by the Holy Spirit about my sin, it was like almost an impossible conviction. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Because this was more than a behavior. It's how I did life. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's the same way it is for anything, including homosexuality. It's like, what do you mean? This isn't behavior. This is who I am. Right. So right. we got to love people really, really well. Yes, we do. Yeah. You can't walk up to them and go, you are this. No, no, no. No one's no, ever no, repented. No, 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 no. no. You got to love people. We got to love them well. Yeah. Thoughts on this one, Allie? You know, I'm just uh, looking at an article we had Ray Comfort on with us yesterday. Uh, he has a great article on his site. And uh, one, one quote that I think is is really good, he says that we're, our great commission isn't to convert gay to straight. It's simply to share the gospel with every creature. Boom. As, the, as fruit of God saving sinners, the adulterer strives to become faithful. The liar desires to speak the truth. The thief commits to ending his stealing and the homosexual pursues God ordained affections. Old things pass away. All things become new. That's a powerful statement, sister. And by the way, he's pulling that right out of first Corinthians chapter six, because and, and this is where we got to remember this. The world can't hear us focusing on this. Right. It's, it's got to be focused on. Any behavior that's taken us away from the bounty of God. Is the, the biggest problem with somebody who practice, ho, practices homosexuality is not homosexuality. It's that they're lost. That's the issue. The biggest problem with somebody who practices any Oh, well, let me give you the list. Is the, that, the person that practices thievery is that they're lost. The greedy is that they're lost. The drunkards is that they're lost. How do we know this? Verse 11, Paul says, and such were some of you. Because you know, you always say the presenting issue is never the, really the issue. Oh, man. <laughs> the issue is that we're lost apart from Jesus. And, this, and then it goes on, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. How beautiful is mm. that passage? Okay, coming up here in a moment, we've got uh, York Moore. I I really think we're going to go back here because this is this is powerful. When we look at when we begin to look at um, this statement, love is love through the eyes of how do we minister to people? How do we break through this conversation piece that feels like it's immovable? And is there a way to state your opinion without people getting angry? Yeah, that's the question. That is the question. This is Chris Tomlin, God who listens. Are we glad we got a guy who listens? Yes. Amen. Woo! Boom crew. Hang on. Your number one hub for freedom stories. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Yeah, you just heard our good friend Janet Parshall spike in that. Um, can I say this, Boom Crew? I've seen two great movements of God. They were all both linked to prayer. Praying last night with our elders on a quick call. And um, got to tell you guys, we value prayer so much, and this is not a mail-in. And I'm asking you to get to the side of the road and get a half an hour slot during share, please. I'm asking you to not let this go by. I'm, I'm thirty minutes of praying, driving, uh, walking, something, just pouring your heart out to God. We'll just. Just taking it before the throne room of grace, man. Ministry costs money. Share is where we raise ducats to get the gospel out on radio. And I'm asking you to pray. That's my pitch. If you're willing to sign up for that slot, 600 prayer warriors is what we're looking for. If you're willing to be a part of our prayer crew as we move towards share, just text the word crew, C-R-E-W, to 312-274-9624. Text crew to 312-274-9624. 9624. 
Talking buzzwords today, love is love. And the reason this is so tough is that um, for thousands of years, the behavior of homosexuality was just like every other sin out there. It was seen as a behavior, right? Seen as a behavior. Yeah. And by the way, be careful because are there some people? Yeah, I've got two dear friends who get tempted with homosexual uh, thoughts and temptations all the time, but they never cave into them. But the temptation of sin is not sin. We can need to go back to hit that again someday because mm-hmm. some I people like get so beat up because they're tempted. They feel horrible because they're tempted, even though they don't act on it. Right. But we're asking a question here. Well, we're just we're discussing how do we deal with this? How do we deal with love is love? And I'll tell you one thing. You got to love. <laughs> you got to love. Yeah. Got a special caller in here. Uh, Eric from Jacksonville, Florida. Man, how are you listening to us, Eric? Uh, over the internet. Yeah, that's great. Give us your story, man. Thanks for calling in. I became a Christian many, many years ago, um, and I was involved in a committed, monogamous, homosexual relationship for about two and a half years. Okay. Uh, uh, my follow- my partner and I uh, were both believers in Christ. We both believed that Jesus was the Son of God. We both confessed Him as Lord. We were both baptized. We were we believed in the doctrine of the Trinity and the deity of Christ and the virgin birth, the resurrection, the second coming. You were all in, the man. The <laughs> infallibility of the Bible. And, and, and we were active in Christian churches. Okay. Uh, so the problem was, was we were in a monogamous homosexual relationship, and we believed that, you know, in this case, God approved of it. The reason I'm calling is because I told my partner, his name was Bill, I told Bill, and I I swear upon my salvation that I will never leave you. We were that committed. We were, I I, I told him, I I swear upon my salvation, I will never leave you. In the process of time, about several months, about a year later, actually, uh, I felt increasingly convicted that what I was doing was really against the will of God. I was involved in a lot of praying. The closer I came to Christ, the more I felt that I needed to leave him because this was ungodly oh, and goodness. the homosexual behavior was wrong. But that oath, that vow was a very difficult thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, because I know that God takes vows very seriously. And what would happen to me if I did? And what would that say? And I ultimately decided to leave him. I ultimately decided that it was God's will that I, I leave my my gay lifestyle and enter into a Christian ministry to to get my head straight. Um, and the reason I did, and I have, uh, is because I felt number one is just that God does not honor a vow to commit sin. Mm. Oh, profound. Uh, because statement. if homosexuality actually is a sin, if and it is, as the Bible's so clear upon it. Man shall not lie with man as it does with womankind. It's abomination. Uh, in, in Leviticus, it's even a death penalty sin, as a matter of fact, in Leviticus 20, 21. If, if you commit those sins, a God does not honor a vow to commit a sin. Of course, I was struggled a little bit with Jephthah's rash vow to offer yes. his daughter. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm with you. Yeah, you're, course, you're a Christian. You the, tell that up. G- Genesis 19 as well. I look at some of those things and I'm like, what the cat here? I got questions for you, God. <laughs> Get, you're doing good, Eric. Keep going. I'm sorry to cut you off there, buddy. Well, it, what I finally decided was, was, was that God does not honor a vow to commit sin. And I, I, I conclude as a New Testament Christian that if Jephthah had made that vow, he should have uh, broken yeah, it broken and asked it. God to forgive him mm-hmm. <laughs> for commit for committing if if, if his offers daughter as a sacrifice if that was what was intended. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I finally left him. I entered a Christian discipleship ministry uh, in Chicago uh, immediately after that, and uh, the Lord really restored my mind and restored my heart and gave me a, you know a new affections for God. Uh, and through daily Bible reading and prayer and witnessing and fellowship and so forth. My uh, partner tried to uh, urge me to come back many times. I know he felt extremely, extremely depressed, but uh, I committed to follow Christ. And and now after I've been married for 41 years, I have children, I have grandchildren. I'm involved in Christian ministry. I'm actually active in an apologetics ministry called Ratio Christi. And so God has really been good 
and on the homosexual issue, I, I know it from a, a personal and painful experience. And yet God does not honor any vows to commit a sin. Yeah. That's it. Wow. Eric, let me tell you something, my man. You are one of the, you're, you're a gift from God here this morning. And I mean that, Eric. Um, I've had the privilege of counseling probably seven men who came to me with homosexuality as a temptation or a sin that they were in. Uh, I don't know that I've ever heard a clearer, more bold, and more biblically concise testimony, Eric. And I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, brother, I love you, man, and you are contagious for the Savior. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. The Lord really opened my eyes, and I really appreciate you. I listen to you every single day. Well, you are a blessing, Eric. Godspeed to you. You know, I often say that the one thing the world can't refute is your story. How can you refute Eric's story? Hmm. You might not like it. You might not agree with it, but it's hard for you to stomp your feet and go, That's, that, that didn't happen. No, it did happen. The one thing he said in that story that was so amazing, he said, the closer I got to Jesus, the more I could see I was wrong. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, that's so much humility to admit <laughs> it, a lifestyle that you have lived. And Jesus, he, which he, who he obviously loved, but to make that change is so unimaginably difficult. Yeah. What's really cool is he's, you know what I'm pumped about with Eric? He is so gracious because we've wrestled in here. Mm -hmm. Why do we wrestle with this? Because we don't want, um, we don't want to offend. And and yet we, we want to take a, a healthy biblical stand. But Eric will saunters in from Jacksonville and says, <laughs> let, a, let me help you guys out. Let me share a story. I got this. this really you know, there was something he said that caught my ear. He said, when, you know, as he started to you know, really seek God, he said, God changed my affect and affections toward, I didn't know how he was going to finish that sentence. Yeah. And he said, toward him. Yeah. He changed my affections toward Christ. Yeah. So it wasn't, I, I wasn't sure if, it, if it, I thought. I didn't know it, where we were going. Right. Either. It wasn't that. All of a sudden, I changed my affections from uh, a preference for men versus women, women versus towards Christ, because ultimately yeah. that's where the behavior change will come yeah. is out of affection for Christ. What's, what's really cool about this is that I, I, we're, we'll play this again for sure, guys. Absolutely. Uh, but what's really cool about what Eric shared is that it was this proximity to Jesus, his love for Jesus. And by the way, he checked every theological box. Did you hear this? Yeah. The inspiration of scripture. <laughs> Incredible. The Trinity. I mean, he did he love Jesus? He loved Jesus. The problem is the closer he fell in love with Jesus, the more it revealed where he was missing the mark. What a powerful statement of testimony. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.